Hey, it's Remy and welcome to the Pentapage podcast. Today I'll be discussing the comparisons between the education systems in England compared to Korea with my wonderful friend Julia. Hi everyone, my name is Julia but I also go by Chuyeon and I am a South Korean high school student and I'm kind of nervous but also excited for the episode. Thanks for having me on. Of course, I love Julia so much. I'm very excited to do this. But yeah, so we've had actually a lot of discussions about these kind of comparisons already. So this is just another one for us. Um, But I hope it informs all of you who maybe don't know a lot about the Korean education system. I hope it informs you more about it and is interesting to you. To get involved with episodes and to keep up to date with the podcast, follow at Pentapage Podcast on Instagram. I appreciate any feedback, so feel free to DM me with your thoughts. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. So Julia is providing us with the book recommendation for today, so go ahead. The book I want to recommend is The White Book by Han Gang, who is a South Korean author. She's probably most well known as the author of The Vegetarian, and The White Book is, as far as I know, one of her former, like before she wrote that works. It's much less intense and it's more soft and kind of feels like a weighty silence to me. And one of the things that stood out to me was that it's a collection of poems that talk about white things that you can find in your life. So it talks about snow and snowflakes and waves and I felt the way that it drew attention to whiteness in life and kind of the softness of it but also the violence that it sometimes brings was very beautiful and I thought it was really nicely translated as well. Fabulous! I will definitely check that out and I think all of you should as well. So now we're going to get on to the main episode. So just before getting on with the actual content I think we should talk a little bit about Julia and how we met. So would you like to get started? Okay, so my father works in like the medical field and he got a six-month job working with a pharmaceutical company. And obviously it's a great opportunity to, you know, bring your kids and kind of experience the culture. So I started going to the same secondary school that Remy was going to and at first I kind of was afraid to approach you because I genuinely did think that you had really like cool friends and I was like why would you want to be friends with me but then we just had very similar interests and we sat next to each other in French class right and we had so much fun yeah oh we had such a good time and honestly I when you first told me that that you were intimidated by me that absolutely shocks me because I just I was I was not vibing at that time let's just put that simply and you made me feel seen and like wow I can actually talk about these things without feeling like an absolute weirdo and like no one wants to hear me so we just had such a good time and I'm very glad that we have stayed really close friends because I'm very grateful for you we have loads of discussions about education and so so many issues but that's why I thought it'd be perfect to have her on since we've had lots of these kind of discussions before so yeah I I think if you've listened to this podcast enough you probably know plenty about the UK or the English education system um I will leave a brief kind of summary of it in the episode description if you're not so sure but I'm going to let Julia discuss the overview of the Korean education system. 
Okay, so first off, I would just like to say these are based mostly on, you know, my personal experiences and I can have some misinformation because Korea's education system tends to change a little bit, especially the exams themselves. This could be outdated information in three years time, but... Yeah, so just take it with a grain of salt. This isn't definitive fact. It is partly based on, on experience, but also the actual system that Julia has experienced herself. So yeah, just keep that in mind. I think that the biggest diff one of the biggest differences between other education systems and Korea's is that our academic year starts on the 2nd of March. And the reason it's on the 2nd of March is actually because the 1st of March is a national holiday. And we have six years of elementary school, followed by three years of middle school, then three years of high school. And then that's usually followed by going to work or starting university, which is four years in Korea. For primary school or elementary school, it's not too different for a lot of people. A lot of times people just go to public elementary schools, which are based on where you live. So you go to one that's closest to you. And then for middle school, while a lot of people just go on to public middle schools, there are still some middle schools that offer more intensive education in the arts or languages. And there are people who choose to go to those institutions. For example, there's a very famous international school where you learn everything in English and there are some artistic middle schools where you learn more about the arts like piano or violin rather than focusing a lot on academics themselves. There's still also a lot of competition to get into specific middle schools. Some people have ideas that certain middle schools will give children better education or better chances of getting into good universities or better high schools and therefore a lot of people actually change their address in order to get into those middle schools. For high school there's actually a bunch more options. There's the public high school that everyone knows about and there are also private high schools. In the realm of private high schools there are some that are very similar to public high schools in that the education system is the same and there's not much difference between them edu like education wise. However, there are a couple of unique high schools in South Korea. First, and these are not in any particular order, but first there's Tasago, which is Korean for Tai well, the full name would be Taeyong Saripu, which means free private high school, which means that the school itself is private and it can offer different types of programs. A lot of the Tasagos in Korea offer dormitories, it offers a lot more opportunities, it offers meet and greets with famous professors and things like that. There's Minsago, which is short for Minjuksagwanakyu, and the idea of the school is that it wants to build or make future Korean leaders. It offers a very good education and a lot of the students from there actually go on to get into Harvard or other Ivy League schools and they also tend to do very well in Korean university applications. Next, there is Wegu or Wegugogodonakyo, which is translated would mean foreign language high schools. So there you would choose a language to major in, sort of similar to university. For example, you can major in French or Chinese, German, English, and so on. And you would learn more about that language than you would if you went to another high school. There's also Kwakudonakyo and Yongjegudonakyo, which are more focused on scientific aspects of academics. All high schools other than public and private high schools that are called Ilbangu, which is regular high schools, 
would have some type of application process. A lot of the times it's just your middle school transcript plus an interview, but for so the science-based high schools, you would need to take an exam. Next are the arts high schools. So some of them focus more on music, some of them focus more on painting or sculpture, but all of them offer more classes on art than you would ever get going to a regular high school. Next is which is one of the only high schools that prepare you for work. So instead of learning a lot of math, calculus, Korean, so on and so forth, you would also have classes that taught you specific skills required for the workplace. After that, you would go on to apply for university. In Korea, it's very common to go to university because it's considered a kind of basis, like a basic thing to do in order to get a job. So a lot of people do choose to go to university rather than just start working right out of college. In college applications, there are two main types. The first is sushi and the second is jongshi. In sushi, it's basically a kind of more holistic approach or a more or rather an approach that looks at your high school transcript as part of your application, whereas jongshi is more focused on the Korean SATs called sunung. In sushi, there are a couple types. The most notable, in my opinion, would be kukwajonyong, which is basically more focused on your grades from high school. So in Korea, the grading system goes from one to nine, one being the best and nine being the worst. In order to get into medical school in Korea, you would need to get a 1.1 to 1.2 average. And in order to go to university in Seoul, the capital of South Korea, which is considered a good thing to do, you would need to get about 3.5 or better in order to go to university in Seoul. For 학생부 종합전형, or 학종, it's more normally referred to, it's a more holistic approach. So instead of just looking at your high school grades, it also looks at your extracurriculars, volunteer work, book reports, competitions that you took uh, place in, and a, the role you played in school. So if you're a class president or school president, and it also takes into account teachers' recommendations or your teachers' opinions on your performance. Another way to go to university in sushi is nunsu, which is basically a written examination. It does depend on what you want to study in university, but there are nunsu examinations for humanities where you would be given ethics questions or ethics questions or sociology questions and asked to answer them in essay format. And you could also have Dunsu for math or science-based courses in which you would have to answer a math question but in essay or rather like written out format. In Sushi, there are those main three types. And after that, for lots of universities, you also need to make a base grade in the Korean SATs. The Korean SATs, as well as every grade in high school, is graded from 1 to 9. Lots of times, the universities will ask you to have a grade of 112 or three grades added up to equal five or something like that in related subjects. However, there's also the route of just going to university with your Korean SAT scores, in which case you would need to get really, really good scores and the application system in itself is a bit different. 
I want to talk more about the Korean SATs called Sunung a bit later in one of our topics. And lastly, for the arts or sports students, there's Shilgi, which is basically an actual examination of your skills in that field. For example, if you were to study painting or art, then you would actually go to the examination room and have to hand in a painting or a drawing based on the prompt that you're given. So the Korean SAT, in my opinion, is one of the most intense exams that you can take, especially since it's taken all in one day. And it's also a very big deal in Korea in the sense that a lot of people uh, go to work late on that day and airplanes don't take off sometimes in order to make sure that there's less noise pollution so that the students can focus entirely on the exams. Every student has to take Korean, maths, English, Korean history, and two electives as a mandatory thing, and then a f you can choose to take a foreign language, even though English is technically a foreign language. The Korean SATs, which are called Sunung, is comprised of a bunch of subjects, and first you would have Korean for 80 minutes, then maths for 100 minutes, then English for 70 minutes. After that, you will have Korean history and two elective subjects chosen from the humanities or the sciences. So for humanities, you could choose world history you could, or Korean geography, ethics, philosophy, and so on. And for the sciences, you could choose anything from chemistry, biology, physics, and the earth sciences, which is a combination of geology, astrology, and anything to do with the earth. You would be given 30 minutes to do each exam, and then last, you would have the only true elective, which is a foreign language. So people can choose not to do a foreign language, but if you do, then you can choose from Arabic, Chinese, Japanese, French, German, and Spanish, and a couple more languages. I think that was it. Yeah, so that is very, very interesting. Um, I have heard a lot about this from Julia. Um, and yeah, I think you can already see the kind of comparison where there's huge pressure put on students. But yeah, I think firstly, one of the biggest things to talk about is the idea of comparative grades and how in a way it is similar to grade boundaries here. So when you take actual exams, um, either GCSEs or A-levels, there are grade boundaries set in place after you do the exams. So they basically analyse how many people need to get a certain grade. They will make it a certain amount of marks to make sure that those thresholds are met. So there is that sense of comparison that if everyone does well in, in a certain A-level exam, uh, the grade boundaries are higher, so it's harder to get higher marks and vice versa with doing worse, the grade boundaries are lower, so it's easier. But I think that comparison in, in South Korea is much more prominent. What do you think? I agree. But obviously I'm speaking from my personal limited experience, but I think that the way it's done in Korea just adds so much pressure to the students. It's also so such a small number of students that get good grades that I think it makes it very difficult for students to feel like they're doing something. Yeah. To be able to relax in such a culture. So a kind of like quick introduction to how the, com the comparative grades are done is basically, like I said, we have a grade from one to nine, one being the good one and nine being the bad one, which is the opposite of how it's done in-, for, in for GCSEs, yeah. yeah. So that's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Cause someone told me I was gonna get an eight and I was like- What? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and so if to get a one, you need to be in the top 4% of everyone who took the examination. 
and to get which is insane compared to grade boundaries yeah. here that's crazy and then you need to get in the top 11 percent to get a two top 21 percent i think or is it 23 percent 20 something percent yeah to get a three and so on and so forth with four or five being the biggest grade boundaries and then if you get a nine you're in the top lower four percent of everyone to make it a kind of nice shape the problem is though that every school has a different amount of people so some schools have 100 students per grade taking one exam which means that only four people can get a one whereas for bigger schools you have perhaps 400 students yeah so then you would have 16 people getting a one which in my opinion still isn't enough because the exams themselves obviously are standardized and they're done in yeah. a time crunch that it's not always an accurate representation of someone's skill but because it's comparative if you you know make a couple of mistakes and you fall a little bit below there isn't really a good way to make it up because right yeah it's not like abc grades where if you get over 90 percent but rather it's competition so you need to rank yourself from the whole school which but is scary it's scary and it's also terrifying because i've had situations where the person who got a better grade than I did was only like one point higher than me or just got like two points higher than me overall. But in that case, that's not even one full exam question. That's just luck. Like if I got yeah. a question that had a bigger point wrong, then I could just get a lower score. And it also applies to Sunan. So with Sushi, which is the one that looks at your high school transcript, you can apply to six universities. And with Tongxi, which is the one that just looks at your SAT scores, you can apply to three. And the three are divided into ka, da, tagun. So I, I would say that's similar to like calling it A, B, and C because of the Korean alphabet. So you can only apply to one school in group ka. Oh, okay, um, yeah. A couple of ten are in there, and then you can only apply to one school out of group da, and then one school out of group ta. So it does limit your choices a bit. And the part where the comparative grading comes in is that with sushi, a lot of times they just ask you for your grade. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of similar to how in England you would have, let's say, you need just to get your grades. A, a, B, yeah, you need to get like right, a, yeah. a star, that kind of thing. But the comparative grading is a bit different for Tongxi, which is the type of application that only looks at your Sunung scores, because there's this thing called Pyotjom, which is Pyotjom, I think. And what that does is, in an attempt to make it more fair, it gives you a weighted score depending on the calculated difficulty of the exam. So for example, if I took exam A and B and got the same score, if more people got a bad score on exam A, then I would get more points from that than I would from exam B. That's really interesting. And we've also had a lot of discussions about the kind of strategy placed on exams, which is also the same here, but how you've spoken about how some teachers will, will basically say, like, don't answer this question unless if blah, 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 which should not be happening. If you're learning, it should not be about learning for an, an exam. I've spoken about this endless times on this podcast, but so then the comparison it's just adding this extra layer of like competition obviously but yeah making education a competition should not be the way it is because if yeah. it's about learning that's what it needs to be about not about oh i need to answer this question in the exam to make sure i can get this mark so then i can beat everyone else around me that's that's a yeah. it it is pretty problematic i think 
I agree completely. And so that actually leads me perfectly on to the two things that I wanted to talk about that I think are the biggest problems with comparative grading, other than obviously the immense amount of stress and yeah. comparison that you feel. And the first one was the fact that it leads to exams that are designed, like you said, for grading and ranking people rather than actually determining how much they learned. So in the case of like at school, like you said, at school, I actually had a teacher go, well, this question I only put in there to make sure no one got full marks. And she actually told us that she wasn't going to explain how to do it because it would take too long. And for context, our exam time was 50 minutes. Our school, like one hour of school was 50 minutes and she wasn't going to explain it. That is incredibly problematic. That just is. If, if you're putting something in there that students can't answer, what's the point? That makes it like a game yeah. and, and education is, sorry, not a game. I know, right? I was, it was one of, I think, the more stressful things I had to go through at school. And in one school, at least to those problems, but on a national scale, it also leads to the problem of the Korean SATs, Sunung becoming very intense and very weird. So instead of actually measuring how good you are at the subject itself, the questions become very twisted and more focused on ranking the students rather than yeah. actually what they're learning. So I think the best example of this would be biology. So rather than learning about a broad array of subjects, we learn a lot about genetics. And within genetics, we also have a lot of questions on the exam. But the problem is, the questions themselves are more like puzzles that you have to solve rather than things that actually test your knowledge of biology. So for example, one of the most prominent questions is a family tree, and they give you three random diseases, they don't tell you the name of them, and they say that so-and-so has the disease, so-and-so doesn't, and they give you a couple of random hints, and you have to guess how the disease is like passed down, you have to guess who has the disease, and you have to guess whether it's in a chromosome or if it's in uh, a sex chromosome, and it's very complicated, it takes a lot of time, and in the end it doesn't actually measure anything of importance importance in the biological field. It doesn't help you with biology at all. So I actually wanted to read you an English exam question that I thought was weird. Please do. Because I could actually read you anything from the Sunung English exams because they're all quite strange. Like you have to take into consideration yeah. it's a second language. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Hey, so this is a random one that I found. There have been many attempts to define what music is in terms of the specific attributes of musical sounds. The famous 19th century critic, Edward Hanslick, regarded the measurable tone as the primary and essential condition of all music. Musical sounds, he was saying, can be distinguished from those of nature by the fact they involve the use of fixed pitches, whereas virtually all natural sounds consist of constantly fluctuating frequencies. And a number of 20th century writers have assumed, like Hanslick, that fixed pitches are among the defining features of music. Now, it is true that in most of the world's musical cultures, pitches are blank space. However, this is a generalization about music and not a definition of it, for it is easy to put forward counterexamples. 
Japanese shakuhachi music and the sanju music of Korea, for instance, fluctuate constantly around the no notional pitches in terms of which the music is organized. And you need to fill in the blank. Number one, not so much artificially fixed as naturally fluctuating. Number two, not only fixed, but organized into a series of discrete steps. Number three, hardly considered a primary compositional element of music. Number four, highly diverse and complicated, and thus are immeasurable. Number five, a vehicle for carrying unique and various cultural features. Now, uh, no words. That <laughs> is ridiculous. First of all, what a niche. What a niche. Yes. Honestly, that is shocking. And also, like, the answers. What? Honestly, I'm blown away by how formal that English is as well. Like, you're not... If you want to use the language, you're not going to be speaking in that way or, like, even, like, writing anything in that way, really. Like, even if it was an essay. How to choose an answer for that? I'm I'm pretty sure even English people would read that and be like, huh? What do you mean? That's actually That's true. That's so strange. If you, if you search on YouTube, like, Korean SAT... And like English people try the Korean SAT and stuff. Yeah. You find videos of people trying it and failing because this, in my opinion, is not an accurate measure of how good your English is, but rather not at a all. measure. Um, it's a measure of how well you've studied for this type of exam. Like you can prepare for these types of exams by doing a bunch of questions, so you know like which answers are probably the most likeliest, right? Yeah. And I've, I know people who can read like the first couple of sentences and the last sentence and go, oh, that's the answer. But that's not a reflection of their English ability. That's a reflection no. of how much they've studied that specific type of exam. Yeah. But the thing is, this specific type of studying is only useful for this exam. Like nowhere else. It isn't is useful for English. Yeah. And so that's a very, you know, specific example but i think the similar like similar things can be said for the other subjects as well yeah um, personally i think korean and korean and maths are better by far but english is like i said like this and the sciences and the social like the humanities like i said time crunch and the questions themselves are so so standardized that it doesn't actually test how good you would be in that field if you're creating an exam to test english as a second language when the people who are fluent in it can't answer it easily um that is a million red flags i think it says the issues that there are with that exam and the fact that people can perform well because they've revised a, a specific way rather than actually trying to learn the language it is unnecessarily complicated. I agree. It's. I think all the exams themselves also aren't teaching us any actual useful skills. So, for example, on chemistry exams, we sometimes get questions like, there's liquid A and there's liquid B, like, chem like chemical compound A, chemical compound B, and we add A milliliters of that and B milliliters of that, mix it together, this happens, this is a graph, and half of it is blank. And we're supposed to kind of figure out what's going on based on the very limited hints and clues we get. But the thing is, that's not actually applicable to the field of chemistry. I'm never going to be standing in a laboratory going, huh, how many grams of sodium did I put into this water? That's not a question that I will ever have to answer in that way. First off, because it's not accurate. And secondly, that's not something you need to do. And like you said with the English as well, like 
that type of examination isn't going to help you grow your English skill. Not at all, not, not in a way that is applicable to everyday life, especially with a subject like a language where trying to learn to use it in a way that will actually help you in, in real life, which like, for example, GCSE languages does not do that. It, it shows how flawed the education system is, really. If, yeah. if, it's, if it's about parting the exam rather than improving your ability, there we go, that's the ultimate problem. The problem is when the exam becomes the goal. I think I read it in some book somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, when the exam becomes the goal, and I think that the exam has become the goal in yes. Korea. Yeah, and you get told all sorts of really bad things, like bad advice a lot. Right, and yeah. It's very much accepted. It's very normal for students to say that they've studied 10 hours per day. I've had teachers tell me to do that as well and that's so bad <laughs> that is putting expectations of immense academic work which doesn't students shouldn't have to study that much simply yes like our school starts at eight ends at four and then after that a lot of my friends and like classmates and everyone goes to private tutoring or academies yeah, we have spoken a lot about this one because it really highlights elements of privilege in Korea because there's not such a strong private tutoring culture here. Like, yes, it exists. People do benefit from those services, but it's not so ingrained in the educational experience, whereas it sounds like it is in South Korea. So do you want to explain a bit about it? Yeah, so there are actually a bunch of like different types of private tutoring. But I think the most common would be called Hagwon. I've heard there have been like documentaries on it and everything. And there's Kwawe, which is, I think, the more typical private tutoring that you would see in Britain. So one teacher, usually a college student or something like that, teaching middle schoolers and high schoolers. And there's also Ingang, which is private tutoring in the form of videos online. And I actually looked into this quite recently, but 82% of elementary schoolers said that they are currently being privately tutored or have been going to academies. That's a huge number. Yeah. I mean, you do have to take into account that they're also probably going to at least like one artistic or sports related one. Yeah. But even still, and for middle school, it's 69.6%. And for high school, it's 58.5% who are saying they are currently going to hakons or um, private tutoring sessions. From my personal experience, a lot of elementary schoolers do actually go to like sports hakons. So that's not like training you to be an Olympic athlete. It's just about an hour per day of exercise. That's actually pretty good and community building. Yeah. But at the same time, I myself actually did go to um, English academies when I was in elementary school. Yeah, because I wanted to keep up a certain level of English that I wouldn't get in the educational system. Yeah. And I know a lot of my friends actually went to math academies in elementary school. And I actually had a friend in 2013. So I was nine years old and she had learned about pi as in 3.14, so on and so forth. Yeah. When we were nine years old and she had started using it in math like in equations and stuff because that's a, something that a lot of hagwons do it's called toning yeah. which is basically teaching you 
higher level material. So in Korea, it's pretty easy to predict what you'll be taught in every year of school because there's a certain educational curriculum in place. So in high school, uh, the first year you will learn Sokhsang and Sokha, which are maths, like just like math one, math two. Right, yeah. And yeah, and most of the middle schoolers that I knew would learn it starting maybe first year, second year of middle school. Yeah. And almost everyone that I knew in high school had already learned it at least once before they had actually come to high school. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And second year of high school, we learn math one and math two. And then um, third year, we learn 미적분 확률과 통계 올 기하. So 기하 is geometry, kind of. Geometry, maybe, yeah. Yeah, geometry. It also does like vectors and stuff like that. And 미적분 is calculus. Yeah. Um, and 확률과 통계 is statistics, basically. Most people don't do advanced learning for statistics, but... Quite a few people I know have done advanced learning for both um, geometry and calculus. And by advanced learning, I don't mean learning it like a couple months prior to going to school for it. I mean like a year, two years. And some extreme cases I've heard of middle schoolers actually doing calculus in preparation for high school. Wow. So, so it's a case of people going into their lessons for certain subjects having already covered them at least once a long time ago yeah that's really yeah that is odd rather than just kind of going along with it at the right pace mm. so also obviously tutoring helps a lot but what is the kind of average cost of academies so it does depend a lot on the region and which academy you go to because you know it's a resource that people want so they call numbers for it but yeah on average you would be paying somewhere from 300 pounds for a month of lessons up to um i've heard of people paying like 80 pounds per class so yeah they have a class like once or twice a week for about an hour two hours yeah which is a lot but the reason why so many people do that is because they feel the education at school doesn't accurately reflect the difficulty of the test themselves okay yeah so, um yeah like if you look at our maths textbooks and stuff the questions are very simple like you can do them very quickly yeah but if you look at the actual examinations we have to do they're much more difficult and they're actually in a lot of cases the questions are from like past um sat test papers and stuff yeah so then it's not possible for a lot of people to perform well on those exams with just what we've learned at school. So a lot of people spend a lot of money on those private tutoring sessions, which, like you said, does show a lot of privilege because yeah, I've seen people spend upwards of a thousand pounds per month on it. And that's a lot of money. Especially since, like, if you compare it to, let's say, cost of rent in Korea, you would be paying about, like, £600 per month. I'm doing the calculations in my head. So for a one-bedroom, you'd be paying about £600 per month. But then you would be paying, like, a couple thousand pounds for... Yeah. Tutoring. It gets worse in, like, more rich neighbourhoods, you could say. Yeah. The educational kind of thing is strong yeah um, yeah i've heard of university students getting paid 
a couple thousand pounds per month to tutor um, like a student. And that and that is insane. And I think considering how much value is clearly put on on Korean education, just you know, in in all subjects. I think it's quite concerning that the free education isn't sufficient enough, so people are having to pay huge amounts to get extra help, which means that then the extra help is most likely not available or just not so not so easily available for people who are less financially privileged and cannot afford it, which is unfair. And, and the whole point of free education is meant to be giving that access to people who wouldn't have it otherwise. So... Yeah, it, it concerns me deeply that it's so entrenched in in the culture that everyone does get this extra help because the schools aren't doing enough to help you with what sounds like really, really, really hard exams. Yeah, it's something me and my friends talk about a lot as it's, it's, an, it's a bad cycle, basically, because people think that the things we're taught at school don't accurately reflect what we're, uh, we're taking exams on. So we get private tutoring. So then we do better, but then if everyone does better because the grades are comparative, the teachers need to make the exams more difficult in order to divide us into rank. So the exams get more difficult, more people get private tutoring, then everyone gets better, so the exams get more difficult because they need to divide it because it's comparative. Yeah. Which is, I think, one of the biggest problems of comparative uh, grading. And like you said, on the privilege aspect of it, for middle school, I went to like a normal middle school. But for high school, I am actually going to a high school, like not a special high school, but it's a high school in a region that is academically really competitive. And the prices in that neighborhood that the school is, is really expensive. Like a lot of my yeah. friends live in expensive apartments and their parents have really high paying jobs. And you can feel it a lot in how they talk about it. Like most of my friends go to three to four um, hagons and some of them have even signed up for something called Wintoskru, which is basically where you sign up to go there from seven to 12 at night, just f like a full day of classes slash studying. Yeah. And that also costs a couple thousand pounds per month. Like that can cost the average not salary but like monthly wage as well which is obviously horrifying but it's considered maybe not common everywhere but at least in kind of like the district that i go to school in it's not uncommon to see people doing that and another thing that also plays into it is this thing called tesu which is when you just retake your sats in order to get into a better university and i say better with quotations because i don't really think that's a good description of a university yeah yeah but um because we do have like university rankings and stuff people sometimes choose to take a year of studying and apply to a higher ranked university and that also in a lot of cases takes a lot of money because in most cases people aren't working while they do their studying so they're just going to academies during that time and I've heard people say that it costs them a couple of thousand pounds per month to do that as well, like two thousand pounds per month to get all the studying plus like extra materials and stuff. And for a full year, which is yeah. basically how much university would cost, but more expensive because Korean universities are pretty cheap. I've actually seen a study, This I'm quoting this from like the top of my head, 
but somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of people in like the top universities of Korea do come from very privileged backgrounds. I think that's Awful. Yeah, that is that is clearly reflective of the access people have had to extra educational help, which just shouldn't be the case. Learning is learning and it shouldn't be something that within the education system, there's just the focus on the exam, it being hard, having to get the extra help because the schools aren't doing enough, which they should be doing enough. Yeah, I find that very, very, very concerning. I guess one last point is that there are a very very limited few who do well even without academies but it's very entrenched into the culture and it's very common to see people who have harmful attitudes or are very used to that kind of toxic mindset when it comes to academics and studying and i think that the korean education system not just because of the way it's been built but also just you know cultural aspects that play into it, socioeconomic aspects that play into it, have made education into a race for the race's sake, like an exam just for the exam's sake. And I think that it has placed a lot of pressure onto people. And even though most people do not like it, they are also part of it. And they feel very, like they kind of struggle to go against it because we do still want to get a job yeah there is still that pressure from education it's it's a kind of cultural thing but you would probably get a couple weird stares if you say you haven't gone to university in korea right Um, yeah yeah it's kind of similar here to be honest there is that looming expectation that you will go to university Mm, just where did you study is a big thing um, yeah because of the definitive rank as well Mm, that's interesting that was that wasn't necessarily the point i was trying to make but yeah I, i guess it's it's a very complicated subject is what I was trying to say. And Definitely. These are just t- um, touching on kind of like personal aspects of it that I found really frustrating. Yeah. To end on it, I'm going to end on a very depressing note. Korea <laughs> tends to score really, really high on like academic excellence of sorts. Yeah. When we do like science or math or something, we usually score within like the top five or something. But when we do tests to check for actual interest in those subjects, we're almost always dead last. Yeah. That's really depressing. Once again, that is very reflective of the the lack of passion that is now in education. And that also applies to here. I think so many people don't enjoy what they're doing at school. People don't enjoy learning because of what education has made it to be, to be strategic and like a competition and that isn't what it should be at the end of the day. Learning is learning and learning is beautiful. Learning is so fascinating. Like to understand more about different things is great, but it isn't like that in the education system. So I hope all of you then kind of hear that there are still lots of similarities, especially with mindset and expectation placed on students. So I think this is such an interesting topic to look into so if you are interested um i'll see if i can leave some links in the episode description there is so much interesting stuff about this education system particularly and if you'd like to hear another episode about it please let us know because uh it's one of those things you could talk about for a very 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 long time 
Thank you so much for listening. I had a great time talking to Julia and I hope you all enjoyed hearing what she had to say. Um, make sure to look into the Korean education system. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it, Julia. Uh, thank you for having me. It felt really good to talk about something that, you know, we actually do talk about so much. Yeah. Talk about it in a more, I guess, structured way than we would normally talk about it. And um, yeah, hopefully it was interesting to everyone. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is so important to both of us. And I hope that this discussion has been informative and interesting for you all to hear. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate Penta Page on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps to get out to more people. So I would really appreciate that if you do find enjoyment from this podcast. Have a wonderful day, afternoon, night, wherever you are, and make sure you look after yourself. Bye! Thank you.